is a senior research fellow here at ESA, and we've been really honored to have him as a visitor throughout this academic year. And um, I know he's actually leaving us on uh, Friday. So on a personal note, which is uncharacteristic of the uh, seminar series, from all of us at uh, ESA, we wanted to wish you a very happy like, special birthday. Thank you. We'll be celebrating his birthday with his wife in uh, Manhattan over the weekend. So we want to wish you a happy birthday. And thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, also thank you really for the time and effort and energy and patience you've uh, shown with us and uh, shared your, your wisdom and your experience. So thank you. Um, so for those who don't know, Professor Tibby is the uh, Professor Emeritus of International Relations of the University of Sorry, and he's been there since 1973. He's also the White Professor at Large from Cornell University and held this post since 2004. Um, he's been a visiting scholar at universities such as Harvard. Um, He's a senior research fellow at the Asian Research Institute at the uh, National University of Singapore. He's held 18 visiting professorships on four continents and has lectured at these 30 universities on five continents. He received his training at the University of Frankfurt under the famous and, uh, famous and important scholars uh, Porkheimer and uh, Theodore Adorno, Holocaust survivor. survivor, and uh, I know that this influenced your work profoundly. Um, and he did a PhD in political science and philosophy, uh, and then in 1981, sorry, he was the Dr. Habil, uh, the German superior PhD he received from the University of Hamburg. He has 27 books in German, 16 have been translated into different languages, and he has eight books in English. And I'm very pleased to say that his upcoming book is going to be entitled Islam's Predicament with Modernity, Religious Reform and Cultural Change, and he's actually publishing it here through Yale University Press. So it's really an honor to have you here again. And uh, three years ago, it was really a stroke of luck. I was in Israel uh, at uh, the University of Tel Aviv. Uh, and at the invitation to attend a symposium on I'm sorry, <coughs> on anti-Semitism at the uh, University of Tel Aviv, and it was a stroke of luck to meet Charles there. And uh, we like each other. We 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 had intellectual exchange, and shortly after that, he asked me whether I would be interested to come. Uh, to Yale to lecture, and I was here 2007 uh, and give a, a, a big lecture, and uh, I'm happy it was received well. And that was the grounds for coming back here as a research fellow since last year, and it has been highly beneficial time for post, uh, uh, both uh, on a personal level, uh, very pleasant, especially to work uh, with uh, with Charles, and also to enjoy the company of all great six fellows. Uh, uh, I, I, it was really wonderful to be with you, and I would like also to acknowledge the, the highly uh, important support of uh, Lorraine Clark. Without Lorraine Clark, I would haven't have been able to do half of my work. Yeah? Uh, so Lorraine Clark will be in the acknowledgement of the new book. Uh, so as, as you might have noticed uh, uh, that uh, uh, you know, in terms of language, uh, uh, the announcement is the Islamist challenge uh, to America. And sometimes people 
who don't know even scholars. You say, you are not okay with the English? It must be Islamic, not Islamist there. When I say, uh, there's a distinction, and the distinction is uh, there is Islam, Islam is a religion, Islam is a cult, Islam uh, is a cultural system. I am a devout Muslim, and I'm uh, proud, I mean, when I have problems with, I mean, Isla Islamism is another word for Islamic fundamentalism. It has no other meaning. Uh, and when uh, I have problems uh, with uh, uh, Islamism, and I acknowledge this because, I mean, uh, it's now way behind. I was, for five years, from, 19, uh, uh, from 1990 until 1995, for five years, I was uh, under protection of the state because there was a fitma, fitwa to, to kill me. Uh, uh, and I had three bodyguards around the clock, and I was only able to move in an armored Mercedes in Germany. And when I used to travel, uh, I used to travel with three, uh, three uh, armored uh, bodyguards. And so I know what Islamism is. Yeah? Uh, so Islam is the religion, it's my religion. And when I face them, I, I tell them I, I descend from the family of the Prophet. And this is, uh, there's a record historical report about that in the, in the history of Damascus. So I'm a devout Muslim. I come from the nobility of Damascus. I have a heritage uh, of lineage going back to the Prophet. And so uh, if you deny me uh, I am not Muslim, or some, some people say I'm part of the propaganda, say I have been uh, either infiltrated by the Jews, or Mr. TV is a hidden Jew. He's not a Muslim. He's a hidden Jew, and he's supposed to destroy Islam from within. And the only thing I'm doing is to build a bridge between Islam and Judaism. And uh, I had the great honor, 1994, uh, when I still, when I was still under uh, police protection, uh, to establish in London at the Westminster Synagogue, together with Rabbi Friedlander. Arben Friedlander is also a German, a Jewish Holocaust survivor, uh, and. He, he, he was the leader of the, the, the synagogue in London, and we established together the Jewish-Islamic dialogue. So uh, the assumption already included in the announcement, Islamist challenge uh, to America, and later on Islamist anti-Semitism, is there's a distinction between Islam and Islamism. And so if you, say, if you speak about Jew hatred and about anti-Semitism, I relate this to Islamism, not to Islam. Unfortunately, there's a book by a highly respected scholar, uh, his name is Andrew of Boston, uh, the book uh, about 800 pages. Uh, the title of the book is uh, The Origins of Islamic uh, Anti-Semitism. And on the cover of the book states, uh, Jew hatred is an anti-Semitism is as old as Islam is. And so if this were true, so I'm doing the wrong work because I want uh, to establish peace, uh, as a Muslim, as an Arab, uh, uh, I, I'm ethnically Syrian, I'm now a German citizen. I have been calling for at least 20 years, in the past 20 years. Well, now it's easy to do it, or maybe easier than before, uh, calling for the recognition, for the Arab and Islamic recognition of Israel as a, as a sovereign state. And when we established the Jewish-Islamic dialogue in London, we were 20 Muslims, and we acknowledged that the Jews, Judaism is not only a religion, but Jews are people, and Jews are entitled to their own right uh, to the sovereignty, which means uh, Israel is the home of Jews, and Israel is a sovereign state, and there can only be peace, a lasting peace, 
if Muslims and Arabs were willing uh, to uh, accept the state of Israel and recognize its sovereignty. And I have been working on this uh, with many uh, Jewish scholars, I mean politically, and uh, with Jewish scholars. One of my mates is Professor Herbert Kalman. Professor Herbert Kalman is a Viennese Jew, uh, and who was until his retirement uh, a distinguished professor at Harvard University. We worked for 20 years uh, bringing together uh, Palestinians and Israelis uh, and to teach them how to acknowledge one another as a ground for peace. So, um, having uh, explained to you the distinction between Islam and Islamism, I can move on uh, and uh, uh, to argue uh, that I am against any binary and I am against also polarization. I was uh, critical of President Bush because he contributed to a lot of polarization and I think uh, 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 President Obama is a stroke of luck. Uh, stroke of luck because he's uh, uh, engaged in bridging and I hope, I very much hope, that he doesn't go into the other extreme. So the one extreme is polarization that was pursued by the Bush administration and the other extreme would be appeasement. I do not believe that Islamism can be appeased because I believe that Islamism is a kind of totalitarianism. Uh, and totalitarian ideologies and uh, movements cannot be appeased. And I hope this uh, will not be uh, the policy uh, undertaken by, uh, uh, by, by President Obama. I support him, but not if he goes uh, that way. So uh, there is an image of the United States. I mean, I will be talking to you about uh, anti-Semitism uh, and Islamism, but the lecture is announced rightly at my request as the Islamist challenge to America. So what are we talking about? Am I confusing? things? No, I am not. Uh, and I can uh, make this clear with the following illustration. I have learned this in America, uh, to start with an illustration, and it or no, but I am not sure to tell Maybe I can tell you this anecdote before I continue on. Well, my, my greatest dream was to go to Harvard. Uh, and I didn't want to go to Germany, I want to go to Harvard, but my parents sent me to Germany, I had to submit. Uh, 62, I came to Germany. 20 years later, I had the honor and the pleasure to go to Harvard, and I was so excited. I was already a professor, full professor, since 1973. Uh, I was so excited about Harvard, and I prepared the German way, the German way, a lecture uh, in writing, and I have rehearsed it in front of the mirror uh, several times, and I delivered the lecture 100% perfect, and it was not received well. Uh, so, uh, I, I, what did I do wrong? Yeah? And I mean, the response was clearly not, not positive. Yeah? Uh, the lecture was okay, it was published as an article without any revisions in the Middle East Journal in Washington. So, the issue was not the lecture, so what was it? Uh, at Harvard Faculty Club, uh, the dean uh, said to me in joking, Professor TB, you have a Middle Eastern background. Uh, so, uh, why did you speak? and behave like a German professor. I studied in Germany, but I'm not German. I'm a German citizen, but I'm not German. Uh, so he said, well, uh, you read. We don't like uh, reading. You have to learn how to engage in free speech. Uh, you speak 
very seriously, you do not smile. We, here in America, you, we, we expect jokes, anecdotes. And he said, if you don't learn that, we will not make you wait here. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I had one cultural shock in my life when I came, I came from Damascus, uh, October 26, uh, to uh, Frankfurt to study there. And I didn't speak one word of German by then. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I saw people kissing at the airport, hugging at the airport. Uh, I mean, the way where people behaving, that was a real cultural shock for me. And the story I told you, this Harvard story, was the second cultural shock in my life, uh, with the implication that I, in the following years, I have been engaged, I continue to be engaged in de-Germanizing myself. Yeah? <laughs> uh, so now, part of this de-Germanization de de is the way I, I, I lecture, I, I engage in free speech, and uh, I start this anecdote. There was an, uh, an um, there was an, um, uh, in, uh, in a report in, in a New York Times uh, that was on March 27, uh, including a disclosure. Uh, uh, all of you know of the Gaza war, and all of you know that the, there were suspicions that there were kind of arms struggling. And nobody knew exactly where do the arms uh, come to Gaza, how, how Hamas is fighting, and the Israeli intelligence found out that was not disclosed at the time, found out that Iran is highly involved in smuggling arm, and the logistic of the smuggling was via Sudan. Uh, and then, during the war, the Israeli Air Force, that was, uh, that was not disclosed until last month, the Israeli Air Force uh, bombed a convoy, an Iranian convoy, however, traveling through uh, uh, through Sudan to bring the arms on their way uh, to Gaza later on on sea. Uh, and when the disclosure was uh, published, the Sudanese did not speak about it because uh, it was Iranian convoy and how could Iranian arms be in Sudan? That was embarrassing for them and therefore they were silent. And when it was discovered, when it was disclosed, um, uh, the, the speaker of the Sudanese government said, I quote from New York Times, uh, um, uh, he said uh, that was in, in uh, an American American right uh, on uh, American right on uh, uh, Sudanese territory, and the Americans are committing the language. The Americans are committing a, a genocide against the Sudanese people. Uh, and when uh, at the press conference he was asked, according to the disclosure, uh, the, the planes that were involved in the bombing were not American planes; they were Israeli planes. So what is your response? And his response is, quote unquote, we, we, the Sudanese government, do not differentiate between the United States and Israel. They are all one, end of the quote. So, so you see, uh, a part of the, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the Islamist, I don't say Islamic, part of the Islamist anti-Semitism is that uh, America is ruled by the Jews. And the Jews, in this conspiracy-driven thinking, the Jews are so strong, and my Jewish friends say, we are only 13 million peoples, and we are in the whole world, wow. <laughs> so the Jews rule the United States of America through two channels. First, from Washington, they have their lobby there, and they determine American politics, and this is politics. And second, Wall Street Journal is an Israeli territory, Jewish-Israeli territory, and there the Jews rule world economy. And through these uh, both channels, uh, the Jews 
determine what America is doing. And then when American, when Israeli planes are bombing Sudan, then these are American planes. As you see, we do not differentiate. Uh, these are the same. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's happening in Sudan? Sudan, the, the Sudanese government is a fundamentalist government, and the, the Sudanese uh, uh, troops, I mean paramilitary troops, and also the army, they were involved in killing about uh, in between one one quarter million uh, non-Muslim people who are Sudanese as well. Uh, and uh, as you know, there's an international warrant to arrest the president. This is the first sitting president in the world uh, who is now wanted in a warrant. Uh, but then in order to, to turn the table around, they speak of genocide when, when, is, when Israeli, uh, the Israeli Air Force bombs uh, an Iranian convoy traveling through Sudan uh, to smuggle arms. So, uh, this, is, this story illustrates the issue, and I will go uh, through the issues, a, cup, uh, a couple of these issues, I will, I will go uh, through them one by one. And the first issue is the combination, the combination of uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism in Islamist ideology. Uh, I have done research on that uh, issue in the past years. I was also last year fellow, at the, I was the first Muslim fellow uh, at the uh, Center for Advanced Holocaust Studies at, uh, uh, located at the Holocaust Museum in Washington uh, and did research on that. And the outcome of this research is an article published uh, uh, in the last issue of The Current. The Current is a journal published by Cornell University where I have the honor to be uh, Eddie White Professor at large. Um, and those of you who are interested, I hope I do not bug you, dear Lorraine, I know how generous you are. Uh, Lorraine has a PDF of the article. Uh, if you don't have access to this journal, the journal is the current, uh, Cornell University. Uh, the issue is uh, 2008, uh, uh, issue number uh, one. Uh, this is the 12th, the 12th issue. Uh, and. Uh, uh, a PDF is uh, the computer of Lorraine, and if you don't mind, Lorraine, that they, uh, the people email you, and you can send them uh, 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 an attachment of this article. And there you will find uh, evidence of what I'm talking about. Uh, the first issue is anti-Americanism and anti-Semitism. Uh, so, uh, uh, the Islamists are against the Jews. They are not only against Israelis, or uh, some say they are only against Zionists. They are not against the Jew. Uh, I had recently a fight in Washington with an American. I won't mention the name for decency. He said, uh, why, why, why you are defaming these people are anti-Semitists? Are you neoconservative? I am a liberal. I'm not neoconservative. And I'm a Muslim and I'm an immigrant. But you see, uh, when, when you, uh, to belittle of the issue, say there is no anti-Semitism involved. But I will present evidence. And the, there's an evidence. The article is based on evaluation of Arabic sources in original. I do not quote secondary sources, I quote original sources. And these people do not differentiate, as he said, he said, we, we see no difference between Jews, not Israel, Jews in America. Uh, uh, there is no Jewish Air Force, there is an Israeli Air Force, yeah, there is American Air Force. Uh, and so they do not distinguish, uh, uh, America is ruled by the Jews, and all Jews are Zionists, and there is no distinction between Zionism and uh, and, and uh, world jewelry. So uh, America is ruled by the Jews, and to be against the Jews is to be against America as well. Uh, the second issue is it's very important uh, to distinguish between Judeo 
Judaeophobia and anti-Semitism. Uh, I acknowledge in order not to be understood, Judaeophobia is also racism. And I am, I am against any kind of racism. If you, if you demonize people, if you have resentment against people as a collectivity, then you are a racist. Uh, but there are varying degrees. Judaeophobia, people who, uh, who are Judaeophobic, they don't like the Jews. And for racist reasons. And this is an evil, no doubt. But these people do not say uh, all Jews should be, uh, should be um, exterminated, should be annihilated. Anti-Semitism is a, a genocidal ideology. And I am not alone on this road. My authority is Hannah Arendt. Hannah Arendt, I mean, it's a big name. All of you don't know Hannah Arendt. But supposedly there's a person, uh, some person may not know them. Hannah Arendt was a German Jew. She fled uh, Germany, 33. Uh, came to the United States, she became professor at Columbia University, and there she wrote her major book, The Origins of, uh, the Origins of Totalitarianism, uh, and it was uh, published 1955, and this is the major study in the study of uh, totalitarianism. And she says, Hannah Arendt says, um, anti-Semitism is basic to any ideology which is totalitarian. And, uh, in the chapter on anti-Semitism, she states, uh, literally, uh, anti-Semitism is much more than Jew hatred. There are people who hate the Jews, they say Jews should go to hell, but they, they, they don't go further. Anti-Semitism goes much further. Anti-Semitism says the Jews are not only an evil, this evil should be extinguished, uh, exterminated, and annihilated. And this is uh, a call uh, for a genocidal ideology, and it is in my Kampf uh, in Hitler. And if people read that book, they would have realized, like when, when I mean, as you know, there, there were efforts at appeasement of Hitler uh, um, uh, before the breakout of the World War. But if you uh, study the movement and study its ideology, then you would have known what is to come. And I, uh, I call for the same. When people say, oh, Islamism, this is just a social movement, they want justice, they are against uh, oppression, against the outside power of the West, uh, they are against uh, injustice, when these things are resolved, then it will be gone. Uh, I don't buy into that. Why? Because I have been studying this movement uh, for 30 years. Uh, you might say I'm prejudiced, but this is not prejudice. I mean, I'm prejudiced for the fact that uh, these people were trying to kill me for five years. Uh, but at that time, I kept uh, I kept uh, cool, cool, uh, cool, cool, my cool head and kept studying the issue. Uh, and I, when I make a statement, I support what I say with the evidence and with reference to documents. So Judaeophobia. I am a scholar. Uh, I am not here to defend Islam and the Arabs. But I'm here uh, at the university uh, to work with uh, uh, with uh, Charles Paul in a scholarly manner, and I acknowledge. In early Islam, in the 7th century, there existed a Judaeophobia. And when you read Islamic texts, you will find uh, not so positive uh, uh, sentiment against the Jews. And this has a long story, uh, and I, can, I won't get to it, but just uh, maybe a uh, few, few hints. Yeah? Um, uh, the Prophet, our Prophet, when, uh, when he was young, uh, he traveled a lot. He, he was married to a woman who was about 20 years older. And she was a trade woman, and he traveled with the with the caravans for doing business in Jerusalem, 
and Damascus. And Jerusalem and Damascus were at the time were not Islamic places. There were no Arabs there. The Arabs were in a place in Arabia, the place named today Saudi Arabia. Uh, there were no Saudi Arabia at the time either. Uh, and so he, there in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem, he encountered Judaism, and he was very very impressed. There's a lot of documents for this. And when he started establishing uh, Islamic religion after receiving revelation, starting with the year 610, uh, he interacted also with Jews. And when he moved from uh, uh, from uh, from Mecca to Medina, 622, this is the year number one in the Islamic calendar, uh, he approached the Jews and he called them to join in because he thought. Uh, Judaism and Islam are so resembled one another. They are both are very strong monotheism. And in the early years of Islam, uh, Muslims used to pray in the direction of Jerusalem, not in the direction of Mecca. So early Muslims in Medina used to pray in the direction of Jerusalem, believing there would be a kind of Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish Islamic symbiosis or alliance. Uh, but then the Jews refused to join Islam. And then an enmity developed, and this is uh, this is one of the um, background reasons, the background of Islamic uh, Judaeophobia. But that was not anti-Semitism. Please uh, keep this distinction. Um, and so this uh, Judaeophobia existed in a variety of ways through history, with no with no implications. However, uh, according to my friend and my teacher, Jewish teacher uh, Bernard Lewis uh, from Princeton University. Uh, a very dear friend, we worked together, uh, and he wrote a book about the Jews, Jews of Islam. Uh, this, uh, and, and this book also published by Princeton University Press. And in that book he says in, in Spain, in Islamic Spain, that was the highlight of Jewish culture, and they, at that time there existed a Jewish-Islamic symbiosis. Uh, so, but at the same time there were some uh, Judaeophobia, but anti-Semitism came to the Middle East to the world of Islam from Europe. In the 19th century, late 19th century, the first Arabs went to study in Paris, and most of them were Christians. And the first Arab anti-Semite was not a Muslim, he was a Christian. His name is Najib Azouri. He traveled to Paris, lived in Paris, and published a book in Paris, 1905. 1905. The title of that book is Le Réveil de la Nation Arabe, French which means the revival of the Arab nation. And he says, uh, he adopts French anti-Semitism and applies, applies it uh, to the Arab world, he's a Christian, and he started to voice anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism means the Jews are evil, kill them. This is the message of anti-Semitism. Uh, Judaeophobia is a, is a racism, is, a, is ugly, but it is not murderous, because say, I don't like the Jews, that's it. Uh, but anti-Semites do not stop uh, say, in saying, uh, I don't like the Jews, say, I don't like the Jews, they are, but they are evil, and they, they have to be annihilated. Um, this anti-Semitism started in the 20th century. Very new, it never existed before, and it was an import from Europe. And, uh, there are two stages of anti-Semitism. The first stage is related to Arab nationalism, and Arab nationalists were secular, and they adopted nationalist ideology first from France, later on from Germany, and they also adopted European anti-Semitism. Um, the anti-Semitism I'm talking about today in this lecture 
is an Islamist anti-Semitism. Uh, Pan-Arab nationalism is gone. Uh, I, uh, one of my major books, and people say it is my major book because I like it. Some, some people even here at Yale do not like my work on Islam because it does not fit into their uh, mind because it's very critical. Uh, they say TV wrote a book. I, my first book was uh, uh, Arab nationalism between Islam and the nation state. If you want to see it, it is displayed uh, without knowing that I'm here. I'm, I was so happy to go to uh, 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 a bookstore, and my books are displayed there, yeah? in, uh, uh, in, in the section uh, political science and also in the section Islam. And this book is there, um, and uh, Arab nationalism uh, is dead, since actually since the Arab defeat in the war 1967. And since the 70s, there's a rise in political Islam, and political Islam is much older than Khomeini because political Islam in its origins is Sunni, not Shi'i phenomenon. So Khomeini, if you want, I mean, if, if you really know the story, Khomeini is a latecomer. Uh, the first fundamentalist movement established in, uh, in history is uh, the movement of the Muslim Brotherhood, established 1928 in Cairo. And Cairo and Egypt are still the basic home of political Islam in its Sunni version, not Iran. Even though uh, Egypt has a Egypt has a, uh, has, has a has a secular government and Egypt is uh, an ally of the United States, but the next uh, 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 the next movement to come to power probably the Muslim Brotherhood, and I am very fearful to say with the support of the United States of America. There is a Middle East initiative in Washington, uh, which thinks one can appease Islamists and tame them, and let them come to power, and then they will abandon jihad. Uh, well, there are many Islamists who abandoned the jihad, but they did not abandon their goals, their political goals. Jihad is not the goal, jihad is just a means to reach the goal, and the goal is the Islamist order. Uh, so, I hope uh, I have made it clear there is a, a th two distinctions. One distinction, I mean, uh, we are at the university here and we should uh, comply with academic standards. So nuances as distinctions are very important. But this is not only important for academic research, this is also important for policies. You know, when people in Washington, I lived in Washington last year, and I was struck that, uh, I mean, politicians know very little about Islam in the Middle East, and they do business. And uh, uh, there are people, I don't want to mention names because it's difficult in this country. If you mention names and movements, you get into legal troubles. Yeah? Uh, there, are, there are senators in the Congress who uh, either ignore the distinction between Islam and Islamism or even deny it. Yeah? Uh, and this is very important for doing politics. So, uh, first distinction between Islam, is Islamophobia, uh, in Islam, between Judeophobia and anti-Semitism. Judeophobia existed since the 7th century. Anti-Semitism is new. It is an import from uh, Europe. Uh, and the third distinction is between the anti-Semitism of Arab nationalism and the anti-Semitism of Islamism. These are very different uh, issues. You know, pan-Arab nationalists were uh, British and French educated, some were German educated, and this is the elite. And this elite, you know, say 5-10% of the people, and they were also very elitist, and they had little impact on the whole people. But the Islamists, 
They speak the language of local cultures and they have an appeal. So anti-Semitic anti, anti Islamism or an Islamist anti-Semitism is much more dangerous because much more effective than um, the secular anti-Semitism of pan-Arabism ever was. Yeah? Um, again, I refer you to this article in the current uh, and also to some of my books. I have, uh, I have here. For later on, I have some flyers of my book, which are all, uh, 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 five of my books are displayed in Yale, Yale Bookstore. Uh, and then the next point I move uh, to, uh, you, uh, you may ask me, uh, you, you are saying uh, there's a distinction between Islam and Islamism. So what is the distinction? I was uh, among the advisors of the uh, American army, uh, prior to the Iraq war. We were five uh, advisors that were invited to the Naval War College, not far from here. Uh, and one of the generals, uh, I cannot mention his name either, uh, he said to me, Professor TV, I am not scholar. I am a military man. I have no time to read your book. You know, at the time, my book on political Islam was not published, but I had a book on uh, the challenge of fundamentalism, political Islam and the new world disorder. Uh, maybe you can distribute this. Uh, and he said to me, I, ha I have no time to read your book, uh, but I, I expect from you to tell me, if you have a message, uh, in two phrases, how can I distinguish between a Muslim, an ordinary Muslim, and an Islamist? And I said to him, it's possible to do that in two phrases. Uh, when you meet a Muslim, a Muslim person, you ask this person, is Islam for you a faith? and a culture, or is Islam a concept of political order? And if this person says Islam is a, uh, is a concept of political order, then he is an Islamist, he's not only a Muslim. Uh, the definition of Islamism is, uh, well, it is not from me, from them. They say, Al-Islam huwa deen wa dawla, which means Islam is a unity of state and religion. So religion is not only to be practiced in a mosque, and, uh, in, and to be also practiced as a culture in your daily life, like Jews do, uh, or other Christians, or people of other Islam is a concept of political order, dawla. Uh, and you see how, how invent, invented this is, I, I learned the Quran by heart in the age between five and six in Damascus. And I, know, I still know the Quran by heart, and in the Quran you will not find the term dawla. Dawla in Arabic, Devlet in Turkish, means state. And they, the definition of Islamism by Islamists themselves say, what is Islam? Say, Islam huwa deen wa dawla. Islam is deen, is the religion, and dawla is state. But the state, this term does not exist in the Quran. I mean, the formula does not exist, and the term dawla never. Um, and so you see that you are dealing with an invention of tradition. And now, uh, how come that. Uh, uh, that, that this concept of order, I mean, uh, Islam is a concept of order, how, how does this concept of order imply uh, anti-Semitism? Um, the, uh, the Islamists believe uh, that, uh, that Jews uh, also want an order. They want a world order. And they say, uh, 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 world jewelry, is the instigator of the search of a world order, and Zionism is the political means to do so, and therefore there is a clash between two 
two visions, one of Islamic world order uh, and one of Jewish world order. And they say, therefore, there can be no peace, uh, this is quote, there can be no peace between Islam and Judaism. And I can uh, quote here, uh, uh, the major thinker and the major ideologue of Islamism was an Egyptian, and his name is Sayyid Qutub. I would like to tell you more about him, but I see time is running. But if you want, you ask me in the question and answer uh, period, uh, who was Qutub, what did he do? Sayyid Qutub lived two years in New York, and in New York he became a fundamentalist. Uh, and he returned to Egypt, and he is today the major he is today the major, well, he, he was executed in 1966. He was hung up in public in Cairo. Uh, but his, his legacy, his writings, I, I, I saw his writings in 9-11. Uh, uh, I was in Uzbekistan, in Central Asia, very close to the Afghan border. Uh, and I was presented with an evidence by Uzbeki intelligence services about the text used in the on uh, the camps, training camps for jihadism of Al-Qaeda. There were 55 of them, uh, and they were reading uh, Sayyid Qutb, basic, basic reading. Uh, and Sayyid Qutb says this, this quote, uh, it is on page 133 uh, in my article in the current, and the, I mean, the source of the Arabic, uh, uh, or the, the evidence of the Arabic source is, is given there. Who tried, this is his imagery of the Jew, Sayyid Qutb asked, quote unquote, translated by myself from Arabic. Uh, Arabic is my mother tongue, so I, the translation is correct. Um, who tried to undermine, you know, there are references to, the, to, to historical events that you may not understand. But please ask me later. If I interrupt the quote, then I miss the point. So there will be references to, to uh, issues and events that you do not know. If you want, I explain this to you later. Who? Who tried to undermine the nascent Islamic State in Medina, uh, that was 622, and who incited Quraysh in Mecca, as well as other tribes against the foundation of Islam? Question mark. It was a Jew. Who stood behind the Fitna War and the slaying of the third Caliph Uthman and all what followed hereafter as tragedies? It was a Jew. And also, who inflamed national divides against, this was now a jump from the 7th century to the, to the 20th century, uh, and who inflamed uh, national divides against the last caliph, uh, the last caliph and who stood behind the turmoil that ended with the abolition of the Sharia, that was 1924, it was a Jew, it was Ataturk. Ataturk was not a Jew, he was a Muslim Turk. <laughs> it was a Jew, it was Ataturk. So this is the logic against historical fact. Uh, the Jews, now the conclusion from uh, these questions and the answers, it was a Jew, the per permanent answer, it was a Jew. The Jews always stood and they continue to stand behind the war waged against Islam. It is a cosmic war. So it is not an empty war. So how can you appease? It's a cosmic war. Today, this war persists against Islamic revival in all places on earth, end of the book. This text is used in indoctrination courses also in Europe, in Germany, in France, in the UK, and of course in the world of Islam. And I saw this text in Turkey, Southeast Asia, Central Asia, and of course in the Arab world, and in the Islamic diaspora in Europe.
So uh, the uh, uh, the statement is there is a cosmic war between Jews and Islam, and I do not take it. it that's why I distinguish between Islamist and Islamic. If you say anti-Semitism is as old as Islam, then there can be no peace. But if you say it is Islamist, so you can say there are Muslims who are not Islamist, and these Muslims would agree, these Muslims who are not Islamists would agree, would agree uh, to a peace uh, resolution, to a peace settlement with the Jews. I mean, there are two levels. Uh, uh, the Jews are civilizational community, and the Muslims as civilizational community, that they acknowledge one another. And there's the, the element of the state, the state of Israel, uh, the bottom, uh, the bottom line is to recognize the state of Israel, and this is not possible. Uh, now, I, I jumped from Qutub to Hamas. You know, Qutub, uh, the major movement is the movement of the Muslim Brotherhood. All existing, all existing Islamist movements in Sunni Islam uh, in the Middle East are offsprings of the Muslim Brotherhood. And one of the most important one among them is Hamas, now ruling in Gaza. Uh, uh, Hamas acknowledges uh, the allegiance to the thinking of Sayyid Qutb, and in the Carta of Hamas, we find we find this. Uh, I hope you, you recall uh, the, the the quote I have been uh, quoting verbatim earlier, and this is uh, uh, a piece from the Carta of Hamas, and it's almost the same text with some rephrasing. The Carta of Hamas states. You see, same line. Who who stood behind? It's always the same question, and they well, they, and they enhance it. And you might laugh, but this is not for laughing. This is actually sad. Who stood behind the French and the communist revolutions? It was the Jew. Uh, in the pursuit of the interest of Zionism, the Jews were behind the First World War that led to the abolition of the Caliphate. The Islamic Caliphate, that was the, the last Islamic uh, order, abolished 1924 by Atatürk, who was a Muslim, and then he was made to a Jew. Uh, the Jews were behind the First World War that led to the abolition of the Caliphate to get the Balfour Declaration. Then the Jews abolished the, the, the League uh, of Nations uh, to rule, uh, uh, no, no, then the Jews established the League of the Nations to rule through it the world, and hereafter they pulled the strings. You see, to pull the strings, this is the language of conspiracy. They, the Jews uh, uh, pulled the strings for the Second World War, so they are responsible for the uh, for the Communist Revolution, for the French Revolution, for the First World War, for the Second World War. And what did they fight the Second World War to establish the state of Israel and to replace the League of Nations by the United Nations and its Security Council. So the, the present United Nations and Security Council, this is a Jewish accomplishment. Yeah? Uh, the Jews rule the world. They, there is no single war without the hidden hand of the Jews acting behind it. Therefore, there can be no peace with them, period. So um, in Europe, and also here in the United States, there are people who say, uh, you have to appease Hamas. You have to do politics with it. But Hamas does not comply with this, and I—I I mean, I share—I share with, the, with Charles this. We were yesterday talking. Said, you know, he and I—he's a Jew, I'm a Muslim. We say we uh, we we disagree with Hamas, but we we give ha Hamas uh, credit for one thing: they are honest. 
They say what they think, what they believe. And I give you this uh, story, and I cannot give you the evidence because the evidence is confidential. Yeah? I spoke to a high-ranking official of the European Union in Brussels, and he told me this story on, uh, on grounds uh, of uh, anonymity, 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 yeah? So, uh, you know, there's a, a suffering of Palestinian people in Gaza, and Gaza before the war, yeah? And Gaza is uh, actually encircled and uh, sealed. Um, and uh, the European Union used to pay half a million, half a million euro annually uh, just to Gaza. Yeah? Uh, and this money stopped uh, under pressure. And people now are blaming the European Union is responsible uh, that people are starving, that kids are dying in, in Gaza. And a high-ranking uh, person in the European Union approached Hamas and to make this offer. You make the European Union speaking. You make or you hold a press conference. And this press conference, you make three announcements. Whether you comply with them or not, this is not our business. It's yours. But just say in public these three announcements. We recognize the state of Israel. Second, we agree to pass, uh, we accept past agreements. Uh, translated in the Peace of Oslo. And number three, we renounce violence. And if you do this, then within a week, the money will flow. And they said, no, we cannot. And they referred to their charter, and they said, that Palestine is the property of God, in Arabic, waqf islami, and we have no uh, whatever uh, competence to negotiate over the property of God. Therefore, Israel has to go. How can you make peace with these people? I, I don't know. So, but the, I mean, so people who involve in appeasement probably either naive or they don't know or whatever. Yeah? So now uh, I move further uh, beyond beyond Hamas uh, uh, to the movement of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim movement of the Muslim Brotherhood was established as the first Islamist movement in the history um, in the history of Islam and in general. And today, this movement is well connected uh, throughout the world. I know, uh, and there's literature about this, they exist in Germany, they exist in UK, in England, in Italy. Uh, they have a, a radio station, a big radio station, Radio Islam, in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, and they, they, they control uh, at least 2,000 mosques in, throughout Europe. Uh, with the, with the uh, infrastructure that belonged to it, yeah? Um, and so, uh, I thought the United States is free of the Muslim Brothers. And uh, I worked with a, with, with a Turkish colleague, Turkish Muslim colleague at the Hassan Institute. Her name is Daino Baran. And uh, uh, I, I worked with her last year in, uh, uh, in Washington. And we are working now in a book together on Islam in Europe. And she gave me a piece, it's published, it's not, uh, it's not classified, it's about the Muslim Brothers in America. And I was scared, they are very strong in this country. And I don't want to get into details. If you want, uh, you look at the, uh, at, at the internet, the Hudson Institute, uh, and the Hudson Institute has a journal, I missed now the, the name of the journal, but if you look at the, the Hudson Institute, Washington, uh, they have a journal. And last, this piece was published last year, with, with the big evidence about the, the presence of the Muslim Brothers here in the United States. Um, and uh, this movement, uh, in its uh, program, in its documents, 
it's throughout committed to anti-Semitism. Islamist anti-Semitism, and it uh, does not accept does not accept peace with Israel, not to speak of the Jews. And so those who say, if you find a peace solution uh, to the conflict in the Middle East, uh, the conflict, the anti-Semitism will, will end. I do not buy into this on the grounds of studies and documents. Now, uh, number six, uh, the distinction between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Well, Zionism was founded by uh, Theodor Herzl, a Swiss uh, Jew. Uh, I, uh, I visited Basel several, several times, so I'm, I'm, I'm aware of his heritage. But before Herzl was, there existed no Zionism. And Zionism, actually, I worked with the, uh, the Israeli political scientist number one, uh, an elderly man, uh, I hope the name is well known in Israel, he's like a flag, uh, Shlomo Avneri. Uh, and I'm very proud that Shlomo Avneri uh, wrote uh, Shlomo Avneri wrote, wrote the uh, endorsement to this book. I think I give some slide, but those who don't have it, please you can give it. I can tell you this, uh, this book. This is a Cornell book. This is a Cornell book about political Islam, uh, political Islam in Europe and world politics. And the press, the Rutledge Press, approached approached uh, Professor Avneri and asked, without my knowledge, uh, and without knowing that we are friends, uh, they approached him. Professor Avneri is distinguished professor uh, uh, for philosophy, European politics, and international relations at the, uh, at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, uh, and asked him for an endorsement. And he said, he wrote back uh, that he, quote unquote, that he appreciates my work, and he would be willing, he would be willing to write the endorsement. However, he, he adds, I care, I care for the life and for the position of Professor TV, and I care also for the fact that his book will be welcomed uh, by in scholarship. Uh, but there are people who see this 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 book is endorsed by the, by a Jew, an Israeli professor. This will kill the book. Yeah? Uh, and uh, the, the, the editor in Rutledge Press knows that the Shlomo Avneri is a big name, and if, if this big name is related to my little name, so this is my benefit. And they ask me, do you think uh, he, he's right, he's, he's, uh, he cares for you? And I said, actually, I, I, mean, I appreciate the fact that he cares for me, I mean, for my life and for my reputation, but it, uh, it is for me uh, enriching that he supports my book, and I, I, I take the hits. Yeah? And now the book is published, uh, and people say, yeah, he criticized political Islam, and he gets an endorsement from the Hebrew University in Israel. Uh, so, so, I mean, so what? I mean, this is, uh, uh, Israel is not a pariah state. Israel is a member of the United Nations, and it's a state to be acknowledged. Uh, so I, um, um, uh, Muslim brothers are dangerous, and they are waging a war of ideas, also here in the United States, and they are, they are, they have been, they have been successful in silencing, silencing every person who criticizes them as Islamophobic. So they, they turn Judaeophobia and Islamophobia, uh, and they say those who criticize them are are bashing Islam. You see, I'm, I'm not talking about Islam. I'm talking about Islamism, uh, and this is very important. And the distinction of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism does simply does not exist in Islamic sources. 
And I do that also in the article. And I want to bring to you a quote. Uh, I hope I find it. Yeah, it's Afan. Yeah? Uh, this is a book written by two Saudi professors close to the Muslim Brotherhood. And this book is a bestseller, uh, reprinted dozens of times. And I found it in Morocco, in Tunisia, in Egypt, and in the Gulf state. And uh, uh, the, the authors, their name Jalisha and Zaybak, two persons. Um, and they argue there can be no dialogue, no peace with the Jews. Uh, and uh, they say that the West uses the term secularism to kill Islam. And the quote is, quote, unquote, the West waves the flag of secularism, invades with its values the society of Islam to replace Islamic values. We shall talk about Zionism. And this is the source. It is not the West, it is Zionism. We shall talk about Zionism or world Jewry. They are the same. Listen again. Uh, the West, and then what is the West? The West is Zionism and world Jewry, and they are the same. In order to address the related master plan, the Jews have a master plan pursued by the related secret societies for the destruction of the world, in particular the world of Islam. Uh, uh, then, uh, well, how can the Jews who are about 13, I mean, the, the maximal estimate, I think it would be 15, right? Am I right? 15 million. How could 15 million rule a world of 6 billion uh, people? Well, it is America, with user America, yeah? And that's why uh, uh, America is uh, looked at as, uh, as, uh, as the home of the Jews. It's not Israel, it's America. Uh, and it is very sad to see two professors, two American professors. Uh, uh, one is Hirschheimer, professor at Harvard. He was even the dean of the Kennedy School of Government. And the other professor is in Chicago. Uh, Walt and Hirschheimer, they published a book, The Israeli Lobby, and this book is more appreciated in the Arab world and Islam than here in the United States, even though it's in the United States also a, a, a well-selling book. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that. And they say American foreign policy, two distinguished American professors, uh, uh, American foreign policy is, is done in Washington uh, uh, with, with the Jewish shape, with, well, they don't say Jewish, they say I mean, the, the, Israel, the Israel lobby, but the Israel lobby is American Jews, yeah? Uh, and they, the Islamists use this book, they say uh, professors of Chicago and Harvard support what we say. So the Jews rule the world via America, yeah? And, uh, and who, who, are, who are the Americans? Uh, the funny thing in, in, the, in the propaganda of Islamism, Americans are described as the new crusaders. You know the crusade. The crusades took place uh, between the 11th and, uh, and the 13th century for two, 200 years, uh, and this is history. It's over. There, there, today there are no crusades, and the cru crusaders were the crusaders were Europeans, Christian Europeans. And the fact is, there's the best history of the crusades is completed by a, a, an Oxford professor. Uh, and he says that uh, in his history of, uh, of the Crusades, he says uh, when the Christians invaded Jerusalem, literally, literally he states, Jews and Muslims fought for the defense of Jerusalem, shoulder by shoulder. Jews and Muslims defended, defended Jerusalem uh, shoulder by shoulder. And then the first, uh, very few people know that, the first uh, Holocaust, 
was not in Germany. It was in, in uh, I mean, Holocaust means to kill the Jews, uh, uh, and this is the meaning of, uh, I mean, Dachau, uh, uh, and, and all these ugly places. Um, the, the Crusaders chased the Jews and wanted to punish them because they sided with Muslims, and they burned the major synagogue in Jerusalem with all Jews hiding inside, about 800 to 900 Jews. That was the first uh, massive or collective burning of Jews in history, according uh, to this uh, uh, Oxford historian. So, uh, and there's a book uh, published by, by uh, there's a center of Middle Eastern studies, and the center of Middle Eastern studies at Columbia University, if I'm right, was also involved in inviting the Iranian president, Hadijad, uh, to, to go to that university and lecture there. And there's a book published by this center with Columbia University Press, and the name of this uh, book is The New Crusaders. And the, I do not, I, I never liked Bush, but Bush is not a crusader. Uh, but Bush, the Bush administration and the new, uh, I mean, the, 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 the new America, these are the new crusaders. And this propaganda is published by a university press. I'm glad you are here at Yale. This would never happen at Yale University. Yeah? And uh, Yale University is publishing next year my book, my third book about political Islam. And uh, the content of this lecture will be included there. And also, I'm also working with Charles uh, to publish uh, uh, also a volume with Yale University Press uh, uh, based on the lecture series held at Kiesa. So to make Yesa a big international name in associating it to the name of Yale University. Yale University Press is a very big name. Uh, so, um, I, uh, I, can I still talk about the 10 minutes? Or? Then I will skip, there's a, uh, I studied, I mean, why I am committed? I am committed to, uh, to the Jews uh, uh, and want uh, to uh, refer to the Holocaust uh, with one lesson. This should never happen again, not only to the Jews, but also to any other group in humanity. So uh, this is the lesson of the Holocaust. Yeah? And how do I come across this? I studied with Max Horkheimer. Max Horkheimer is a German Jew who came to the United States, 33. But he was uh, a full, a fully European. Well, he liked the United States, and he felt well here. But after, after the war, he said, go back to Europe. He went back to Europe, 1950, and he was my professor. And he changed my life. Yeah? And maybe I conclude the lecture with a quote from him. Uh, uh, America, regardless of its motives, saved Europe from complete enslavement. These are the words of my programmer. The response today from everywhere, not only in Germany, has been widespread and profound hostility toward America. So he says America saved the world from Hitler. So why, why people are not appreciated? Why, why this hostility made, uh, uh, toward America, he asks. Yeah? Uh, there has been a great deal of puzzling over, uh, puzzling over the origin of this sentiment. Uh, is it resentment? Is it envy? But it is also the errors made by the American government and its citizens. All play a role. It is especially uh, startling to notice that everywhere where one finds anti-Americanism, anti-Semitism flourishes. And this is the point. Anti today, anti-Semitism uh, is there when, where anti-Americanism flourishes. So therefore, 
Anti-Americanism in Europe is very, very dangerous. And I was commentator on German television. I was columnist in major uh, newspapers. And because I refused to join anti-Americanism during the Iraq war, which I opposed, I lost all these positions. Uh, Anti-Americanism is very strong in Europe. And people shy away of saying, well, we are also, we don't like the Jews. They rule America. Uh, and so uh, Horkheimer states, I'll end soon, um, it is especially startling to notice that everywhere one, where one finds anti-Americanism, anti-Semitism flourishes. Uh, the general malaise caused by cultural decline seeks a scapegoat, and the Jews are the scapegoat. Uh, 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 it finds the Americans and uh, in America himself, once again, the Jews who, sup uh, who supposedly rule America are the cause of uh, all the evil. And therefore, the solution is extinguish them, and this is anti-Semitism. And if you are against genocide, if you are against murder, you cannot be silenced about this. And you cannot also be silenced against those people who belittle of these things in, in explaining this is only, uh, this is criticism of the oversight of the West, this is criticism of injustice. It is not that. It is, as Islamists themselves say, the, the Islamists say, we are waging a cosmic war against the Jews. And this, would war, this war would only end when the Jews are exterminated, distinguished. Uh, what would be your response? Thank you very much. We have some time for Q&A. Any questions? by Yale University Press last year. Uh, the author is Andrew uh, Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T, -T, Hamas, Hamas, and he provides all evidence it is a, a terrorist organization. And the book was received, uh, I mean, not so well, and uh, the director of the press told me we have to receive so many hits, said, but congratulations for being courageous and taking the hits, because this is life, I mean, you have to tell the truth. So first, I give you just some general inter, in, uh, information. Well, uh, when 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 uh, Islamism was born, uh, uh, 1928, it was a jihadist movement. Uh, I mean, uh, jihadism, jihad in Islam. I cannot explain this. this we don't have the time. As much there is a difference between jihad, uh, Islam and Islamism. There is a difference between jihad 
and jihadism. Jihad is classical, holy war, and jihadism is terrorism. So classical jihad is not terrorism, it's violence, but it is uh, not uh, terrorism. So now, uh, Islamist movement went through a transformation in the past, uh, let's say, 10, 15 years. They have learned that they can reach more through peaceful political work than through jihad or jihadism. And this applies to Hamas. So, uh, as much there is a distinction between Islam and Islamism, there is a distinction between two directions within political Islam. One is jihadism. The jihadists say uh, the only way to reach our goal is violence. It is the means for establishing the Islamic order. The, the, the peaceful Islamists, I call them institutional Islamists, the institutional Islamists argue it's better to march through the institutions. Uh, and there's, there's, there's a precedent for that in Germany. I was in the left in my young years, and one of the people who were with us who threw stones at police, and he, 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 he has beaten policemen, some of them who still today have physical suffering, was Mr. Yashka Fischer, who became foreign minister of Germany. Yeah? You see, so I mean, if you work through the institutions, you can you can go you can move upward, and this is what Islamists now say: uh, say yes to democracy, abandon the bullet, abandon the bullet, and accept the bullet, the uh, uh, abandon the bullet and accept the, uh, uh, the, the the ballot box. Yeah, so go to the ballot box, and uh, uh, so they are uh, these peaceful institutional Islamists, and in Iraq, the government of Iraq which came to power through American assistance, exists a free Islamist party who abandoned jihad and accept, accept uh, peaceful action. However, they did not abandon their goal, the Islamic Sharia state. And this applies to Hamas as well. Now, uh, Hamas, you mentioned Hamas, you mentioned Hezbollah. There is also in Iraq the uh, Supreme Council for the Islamic Revolution in Iraq. These movements say we, we, no, we are against violence. Uh, we, we uh, like Hezbollah, Hezbollah uh, has members in the government, they have uh, members uh, in the parliament, and they are in the state. But they do not abandon their militias. The only Islamist movement with, which has no uh, uh, militia is the AKP of Turkey, ruling since um, 2002. Uh, they, they have, but they have the intelligence, they have, they have the police, and they, they, uh, they harass their, their foods and their critics without, without militias. So, uh, I, uh, of course, I acknowledge the reality uh, that there, there, there is an Islamism which is peaceful and there's Islamism which is terrorist. But Hamas is both. Hamas came to power through elections. They came to, to power through the ballot box. Uh, in that was January 2006, right? Uh, and then the year after, as you remember, what did they do? They come to power through democracy, and one year after, they make a coup, military coup, and they arrested 450 PLO politicians are now in the prison in Gaza. They haven't done anything, they have no trial. They shout about, uh, I, I do not like uh, Guantanamo. This is against, against American understanding of law. And I'm happy that uh, Obama, Obama uh, is against it. Uh, but you see, the people who criticize Guantanamo, uh, uh, Hamas people, say the Americans, they have their Guantanamo, they put Muslims there. But what, what is Hamas is doing? They put also their foods in jail and no trial. It's like Guantanamo. Yeah? And so uh, it is, 
Uh, now, the, I answer the two questions, the third question. Uh, this, uh, this politician you have quoted, who is an important politician of Hamas, he was speaking, who was speaking to, to Western journalists, and he told them, no, we have changed. Yeah? We forget, forget about, about the Carta, and we have now, we, we have moved on. Uh, there is a book by a French lady, her name Caroline, Caroline uh, uh, Forest. Yeah? And the book is Frère, uh, uh, Frère Tarek. There's an English translation of it, published in New York, uh, published in New York and in London, uh, with Encounter Press last year. Forest, I can write it. Forest, F-O-U-R-E-S-T. And the book is the, the Politics of Double Speech. Yeah. You see, the Islamists, they hate me and they try to kill me for one reason. I know them, I, I read their mind, I read their books. But you see, they come to you, and I, I, I suppose you don't speak Arabic, yeah? No. Uh, so you don't read, and they, they tell you something, and when they are among themselves, they say something. When they speak to Europeans or to Americans, they say something else. Uh, and this is something that, uh, this is, I hope I can, uh, should I explain it or move to the next question? There is, uh, in, uh, in Islam, you know, the history of Islam is very exciting. And actually, politicians and also people like you, uh, academics, uh, people who generalists, you should read about Islam, but the right books. <laughs> and, but you see, in, in Islam, there was uh, uh, Muslims uh, are a separated community. You have the Shia Muslim and the Sunni Muslim. The Sunni Muslims, they are today about 1.6 1, 1. billion people in the world who are Muslim. So this is 25% uh, of humanity. Yeah? And 90% 90, 90 of them are Sunnis, and 10% or 11% are Shi'is. And from the beginning of the schism, the fight was not between Islam and the Jews, it was a fight between Muslims themselves. It was a fight between Sunni Muslims and Shi'i Muslims. And Shi'i Muslims, uh, when, if somebody say, you are a Shi'i, and I'm a, Muslim, I'm a Sunni Muslim, then I kill you. And to, to save your life, to save your life, you say you are a Sunni Muslim. But when you are at home, with your family, you are Shi'i Muslim. And in, when you are in public, you, they call it taqiyya. Taqiyya means dissimulation. So in public, you are Sunni, but at home, in your heart, you are Shi'i. Uh, and this is, you, you, uh, you, you, you cheat, you deceive the others to save your life, which is legitimate. Yeah? Uh, this is a Shi'i Shia uh, procedure. The Sunnis, including Hamas, they have learned it. Uh, I'm, I'm this. Can I write something here? Or the, the, the no. Where? Okay. Well, taqiyya is a Shia term. The Sunni term is this new. This iham. means deception. Deception of unbelievers. So when you, uh, when I talk to you, I tell you, I go for democracy. I want peace. I want pluralism. And when I'm, I want peace, kill them. And this is the double speak. And this is uh, journalists, politicians, who do not speak Arabic, do not read Turkish or Farsi. Uh, they either should uh, shut up or hire advisors who inform them. Well, okay. hang on. Uh, a few questions. I'm going to ask a question. And then you, in your presentation and in your work, you go to great lengths to distinguish between Judeophobia mm -hmm. and anti-Semitism. Yeah. So what is the purpose of doing it in the current context? And, and I, I, let me go, go back. And I, um, 
I agree with your critique of Andrew Boston's work as being actually quite crude in some ways. But um, it, there's a, it is enlightenment, I mean, also scholarship, because, I mean, but uh, the question is, uh, the, but also there's a political intention behind it. Okay, but if you go back to Judeophobia and the Islamic world, I'm thinking more in Shiite Islam, mm -hmm. and it was also in Sunni Islam, the, the, the Jews were perceived as being pure. And, and, and the fatwas and the rulings and the perceptions were quite extreme when it came to the place of Jews in society. And there were massacres. And Jews, I'm thinking of Persian uh, rulings and fatwas in Persian society, the, the notion of impurity was very strong. And Jews up, up, occupied a very specific strata in society and they weren't allowed to really move. So you have this history of uh, the other, the Jews, the other, in a very pejorative sense. And then you have the influence of, say, modernity, colonialism, uh, missionaries, etc., etc., uh, transferring of knowledge and education, as you mentioned. And, and you have now, I'd say, within the Islamist uh, mindset, a, a genocidal form of anti-Semitism. So, how important is it to make a distinction when, on the one hand, you have very strong Judeophobia, if you want to call it, and now we're living in a globalized world with centuries of uh, sharing of uh, knowledge and, and, and culture, you have a genocidal anti-Semitic movement, which is, I think, infused, as you say, with anti-Westernism, anti-Americanism, but it is, I think, a tremendous challenge that we need to understand and comprehend. So why? Is it so important to make the distinction in contemporary context? Uh, well, uh, I, I start with a, a little example and then move it. I mean, uh, there's a political intention. The political intention is if somebody is uh, prejudiced, biased, you can enlighten this person. Uh, so, a uh, Jedi Muslim, if you work on him or her, then you might, you might hope for success to change the mindset. Yeah? Uh, uh, so, it is, it is about resentment. But anti-Semitism as a genocidal ideology, it is a political program. Yeah? So these, this is a hopeless case. Yeah? And therefore, uh, the distinction between Judeophobia uh, and anti-Semitism is a distinction between resentment and uh, genocidal ideology. Um, and I bring you this example. I, uh, I worked, uh, I mean, I, I did field work when I was young. Yeah? I mean, uh, uh, now I, uh, I do it less, but in, in, in for more than 20 years I worked I mean, all over the. I worked in 20 different Islamic countries, and I lived there. Uh, and I, uh, I go and live among the people. I lived among Islamists in Sudan, in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Morocco, in Indonesia. Uh, now I, uh, I lived among Palestinians in the West Bank, and I lived among Palestinians in Jordan. They are different, believe me. Yeah. And I tell you this story. I was, uh, I was uh, uh, taking a, a cab, a taxi in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, he, the, the driver said, I'm, I'm German, and he wants to cheat me. Yeah? And I said to, the, to him, I mean, please don't cheat in Arabic. Yeah? I mean, don't, don't, don't play games with me. Uh, I am an Arab and Muslim like you. You can do it with German tourists. He said, but you look so German. <laughs> but you look so That's okay. But when, when, he, when he cooled down, he said, you know, we, 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 we cheat. Our, our people cheat, and we, we like to cheat, you know? Because they wanted to cheat me. And he said, but the Jews are much better. They don't do that. You know what? He said, how? He said, imagine this. This year, uh, I, received, I received a reimbursement uh, of the Israeli state for many thousand shekels. They paid me back many thousand shekels. 
tax money that I have overpaid. And you know, in the tax declaration, they found I have paid more taxes than I should, and they paid it back to me. And said, listen, the Jews are honest, yeah? But we are, we cheat, yeah? And you see, can you imagine an Arab state does this? <laughs> they are kulun haramiya. Haramiya, they are all thieves. I mean, an Arab talking about Arabs, yeah? And you see, he, uh, uh, the Palestinians who live in Israel, they interact with Jews, they know them from close, and they eat the two of them, and so they, they know they are not, they are not uh, evil, yeah? They, and even the, and, but if, if, if you go to the West Bank when you are in Amman or in, in, uh, in, in Nablus, yeah? And talk about the Jews, say, oh, kill the Jews, extinguish them. And so, uh, so I mean, uh, 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 Judeophobic resentment can be enlightened. I, I believe, I'm, I believe in enlightenment, yeah? Anti-Semitism cannot be appeased, yeah? Now to the Shia, this is true, and this is also what you say is, uh, is described at length. Uh, the book of Bernard Lewis about Jews and Islam is very positive about Islam, but he, he makes clear uh, it is the, the Shia are difficult case because exactly causes impurity, and the, the Jews are, uh, are are impure, and therefore if you if you uh, if you attach a, a Jew, uh, then you become dirty. And if, if you if you if you put a closing on that a Jew touch, then you are impure. But you see, I, I do not want to belittle of this. Uh, this is a, a religious sentiment. Yeah. Uh, but if you see uh, in Islam, I mean, uh, I know that. I mean, uh, my wife looks at me, but 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 she knows that I'm not like this. Uh, it exists in in Sunni Islam, but mostly in Shia Islam. Women are impure because you know uh, because they they get their menstruation and. Uh, so women are uh, as impure as the Jews are in a period of time. Yeah. So, but you see, this this impurity uh, is resentment, is ugly, but it is not gen genocidal. And I think you know, anti-Semitic, anti-Islamist uh, anti-Semitism is genocidal, and this is much more than uh, than a sentiment, sentiment about purity or about uh, people who are considered to be whatever. Okay. So, and then. I was wanting to ask the same question about the difference. Okay. About impurity? No, about Judeophobia and anti-Semitism. Okay. In the United States, we like to pride ourselves with the concept of separation of church and states. Yes. And we use the term into Minnesota and California, which are preaching the Islamist concept. The American Civil Liberties Union has taken it up, and I've written a research paper on that, and I am very concerned that under this broader concept of uh, uh, a diverse and pluralistic society, we're accepting the idea of the totalitarian concepts that we're supporting in our public schools. Are, are you yeah. familiar with I, I, I'm very familiar because what you are describing, and now it is beginning in the United States, in Germany, in Europe, it's already established. Yeah. And uh, uh, at Cornell University, we run a project uh, with Professor Kassenstein, who's American-German, uh, about religion, uh, religion and expanding Europe. And we published a book. He is editor Peter Kassenstein, distinguished professor at Cornell. Uh, uh, the book published with the Cambridge University Press, and my chapter is exactly on this. My chapter is Europeanizing Islam or the Islamization of Europe. And uh, I argue, that I, uh, uh, I discussed the concept of diversity. You know, uh, Islamists, they are intelligent people. Islamists are not traditionalists. 
Islamists are mostly Western educated people, very intelligent, very knowledgeable, and they know what they're doing. And they are against all kind of multiculturalism in their ideology, but they do not mind making use of cultural uh, relativism and uh, multiculturalism to, to press themselves forward. Yeah? So they say, uh, I am not like you, and I'm different. You go for Islam, uh, American law, I go for Sharia law. And within diversity, you have to accept me. And if you do not accept me, then you are a racist. Uh, and they play successfully this game. And uh, in Europe, there's the, the grandson of uh, Hassan al-Banna. Hassan al-Banna is the godfather of Islamism. He founded the movement. His grandson is Swiss, born in Switzerland. His name is Tariq Ramadan. And he's denied entering the United States. Uh, under Bush, maybe that was one of the few right decisions of Bush. Uh, and in Europe, uh, he argues there must be an Islamic space, a space for Islam within Europe. And in this space, uh, Sharia and all Islamic rules in the Islamist understanding apply, and Europe is outside. And if there's a veto between Ameri like values of human rights and Islamic values, then uh, in the name of diversity, you put the veto aside. And I argue for a veto, my argument is, uh, 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 democracy versus difference. If there's a difference, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it go in the name of diversity if, it, if this difference contradicts democracy. Like you see, I, uh, I am a Muslim, and I believe I'm a devout Muslim, then an Islamist would come and say, Mr. TB is a hidden Jew, or he's uh, whatever, and he's not a Muslim, and put me outside of Islam. See, this is an assault, on my human rights, on my civil rights. And if you do the name diversity, I won't let it go. Because democracy is above democracy. Put it democracy is above diversity. And I think American people should learn that. Well, but you, you are not so uh, in, in, uh, in Russia as we are in Europe. In Europe, Islamists are so established, and I have difficulties. You see, the, uh, Mr. Ramadan is number one. And he, so I, I say, I defend Europe against Islamism, and they push me uh, to, to the side, they corner me, and Mr. Ramadan is number one. Yeah? And he lies at them, like his book, if you go to the Yale bookstore, you'll find uh, the title of his new book is Radical Reform, Liberation and Islamic Ethics. <laughs> I correct in my news, liberation from whom? From unbelievers? From <laughs> so it is, uh, there's no radical reform, this is Salafism in a very tough way in the... Uh, we need information, and I, I'm very happy. I mean, uh, Professor Charles Hill is he among us, and Professor Charles Hill will be running at the. Uh, uh, I, I hope I can see. This is not no secret. You will be running at the Hoover Institution a project about Islamism. It, there's a great need to enlighten uh, not only uh, ordinary American people but also professors in this country. Enlighten them about Islam and Islamism, and say stop, stop. Uh, uh, playing around uh, with Islamists, they, 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 they're making tool of you. Yeah? So, I mean, uh, we have to establish knowledge and have established free debate on the issue and, and stop talking this is Orientalism, bashing Islam, xenophobia, all these things. Of course, there's xenophobia, we fight it. But, but uh, to fight against freedom of speech uh, while using these things, then, like, or like the Sudanese government, so the Sudanese government is committing genocide against non-Muslims in Sudan, 
And when the Israeli Air Force bombs an Israeli employee, they say it's genocide. <laughs> I mean, to bomb a, a genocide, uh, to bomb a, 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 a convoy smuggling arms, what is genocide about it? Yeah? But this is, you know, the, the language becoming so loose and the meaning is lost. The, the book you mentioned, I just want to be sure I have it right, politics of double speak or speech? Speak, double speak. Double speak. And your name is Forest, yeah? F-O-U-R, yeah. yeah. And the, the problem for those of us who don't know Farsi or Arabic is somewhat solved by memory, right? Middle East media. I know, yeah. right? very, very, very good. Very it's good. a good source. Very good source. Yeah. Question. But uh, how, many, how many people look at that? Yeah. How many people what? How many people look at that? How many? That's Question, what do you think of Melanie Phillips' book, Londonus? Exaggerated, on the target, what would you say? She, 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 she touches the point, and uh, there are many uh, facts about, and there's, you know, London is not London's town, but there are enclaves in London, which can be described as, uh, uh, as uh, London's town. But you see, uh, the book is not that bad, but I heard from Charles, she was here and lecturing, and so she's exaggerating, and then she's damaging the message. And then people use her to discard people like me, yeah? Okay, well in Islam, this is a very good question. Yeah? In Islam, there are four categories. Yeah? Uh, in Islam, the first category, these are the best people, uh, I mean, considered, uh, the, 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 the Muslim believers, yeah? the true believers. The second category, they are believers, but believers second class. And these Jews and Christians, uh, as it is acknowledged, I'm talking about Islam, not Islamism. Is, is, uh, for, Islam, for Islamists, Jews are unbelievers. But for Islam, in Islam and the theology of Islam, Jews are believers, and Christians as well. And this is acknowledged in the Quran. They are believers, but uh, the Quran says uh, there, is, there, there are revelations sent from God to humanity. And one of these revelations is Ju Judaism. And Judaism is a message from God uh, to humans, and it is re revelation, and it is, this is a belief. Uh, the same applies to Christianity. However, Judaism and Christianity share the fact, according to Islamic theology, this is not my position, uh, they are religions, they come from God, but they are incomplete. And Islam is the, uh, the, the seal that in, in the Quran says, uh, the Prophet, uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad is Khatim and Nabiyin, which means the seals of prophecies. So in Islam, Moses is a prophet sent by God with a, with a revelation, uh, Jesus as well, and then Muhammad. But Muhammad is the last one, and his message is the seal. And that's why Muslims, I quote, not my position, Muslims claim superiority. If you look in my new book, Islam's Predicament with Cultural Modernity, there's a chapter about pluralism. This is chapter 7, yeah? Chapter 7 about pluralism. And this is one of the great predicaments in Islam, not Islamism. Because Muslims today must learn they are equals to others. And if they don't learn that, then there will be always troubles. Yeah? So uh, the second category, uh, incomplete believers, or second, second, second class believers. The third category, the unbelievers. 
the unbelievers, all religions, not only atheists, all religions, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Sikhs, they are all unbelievers. Uh, and the fourth category, al-munafiqoon, the hypocrites. They are Muslims who say, I'm a Muslim, but in reality they are not. Yeah? So these are the hypocrites. And all humanity is subdivided along these four categories. So uh, Jews are, according to Islamic theology, second-class believer. In Islamism, uh, it's not like this. Uh, Islamists say Jews are, Qutub uh, writes that in his book, which I quote, he said, the Jews were, at the beginning, were second-class believers, and they were accepted as people with a message from God, but they forfeit their right to be second-class believers, and they are now today to be ranked as uh, unbelievers, as infidels. So these are just information. Yeah. Are there any other questions? Okay, so on behalf of everybody, so thank you very much for your presentation. And also just a very quick announcement, this week is very full for us. Our seminars continue tomorrow. The two very interesting ones, we have Benji, Benjamin Weinthal, who's the Jerusalem Post correspondent in, based in Berlin. And he's speaking about the German-Iranian economic relations and the failure of Germany to combat Iranian anti-Semitism. And he's written some very good pieces over the years on these issues, and I, I think it will be a very exciting lecture. And then in the evening, we have Yossi Klein Levy, who will be speaking about the Jewish theological implications of the new anti-Semitism. So um, it should be a full day, and everybody's welcome to these events. So thank you for coming. Thank you.